1: supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. Self-love is like an antidote to potential chaos, if you will.
0: You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you watch me on The Drew Barrymore Show, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hey, 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 lovers. Welcome to another intriguing episode of Dates and Mates. Today, I will be sharing an extremely important conversation as part of our Summer Encore series. For those of you who are just joining the Summer Encore series, what we're doing is we are going back in time. We are peering into the vault of Dates and Mates episodes, of prior conversations I've had with some of the leading dating and relationship experts in the world You are getting to hear conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. They're no longer available on the feed. They're only for my VIP clients, and they've been locked away until this summer. So regarding today's topic, if you are listening to this podcast, then you're likely looking for romance, or maybe you're already in love. But there's another kind of love that is really important to nurture, and that's self-love. You may have heard the phrase, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else. And it's true. Being able to understand yourself and being able to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, that will prepare you for a healthier relationship, or it could even improve the relationship you already have. And that is why I have my dear friend, Jonathan Astley joining me today. He is America's leading midlife dating and relationship coach. He is an author, and he is an expert at cultivating self-love. He will be breaking down the idea of what the heck is self-love anyway, and he will be outlining his techniques for mastering this concept. All right, lovers, let's dive in. Jonathan, what the heck is self-love anyway? Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel good about like the way I look and I think I'm a nice person. Yeah. Do I have self-love? What is
1: the benchmark? I think self-love is inner peace. Think about this for a second. You have to think about this throughout your day. Are you in a state of peace or joy or fulfillment? Mm -hmm. You know, throughout the day, you might be hit traffic and that might disrupt you. But overall, are you in a state of what I call inner peace, joy, or fulfillment? And if you're not, if you're aggravated by people, if you're, here's the thing that I feel like most people are suffering with is a lack of self-worth and they play victimhood. We see this a lot in the United States. And when you're in that state, you're not loving yourself.
0: I think it's also this pattern that we get into of being almost in this cycle. Like I was, I do yoga, you guys know. And I was in a yoga class yesterday and my teacher said, he asked his neighbor, like he does every morning, hey, hey Jose, how's it going? And the guy said, same crap, different day. And he says that every single day. And he was like, what does that mean? If that's your existence, your existence is same crap, different day. I think the words that we tell ourselves are really powerful. Oh my gosh.
1: I bring that up in the book and I talk about the importance of the self-talk that you have, the voices in your head, Mm -hmm. and also the language you use when you're communicating with someone else. And really pay attention to, are you coming from a place of negativity or complaining? Because it's okay to vent. Look, I had a bad day. I just need to get this out. Will you hold the basket for me and just let me vomit? Okay? (laughs) That's venting. But if you're actually complaining and you're in a space of maybe victimhood, then be really conscious and aware of that because you're going to reflect that in your outer world if that's what's going on in your inner world. So that's what I help in the book is to help make those little shifts in your consciousness, a little shift in awareness to say, hey, am I taking personal responsibility for what's happening in my life? Because when you do, all of a sudden, things are going to just start feeling better in your life. And- You know, when you're on an airplane and the flight attendant says, you know, in the case of cabin pressure shift, you know, and if you're traveling with a small child, put put the oxygen mask mask on yourself first. first. That's what this is about because a lot of people give love constantly to others. They're people pleasers, they're givers and whatnot. They're moms. They're they're moms, yeah. (laughs) And it's about filling your own love cup. And it's not about getting the manicures for the women or playing golf for the guys. I talk about something deeper. It's about a mental, it's a, It's mental, it's emotional, it's physical and spiritual. Is that a quadrinity? <laughs> that quadrinity is really what actually creates a space for having a joyful, fulfilled life of inner peace.
0: Okay, so I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. I'll <laughs> oh, stop it. I mean, I believe all <laughs> no, this okay, stuff. Okay. I, I believe this stuff. I teach this yeah. stuff to my clients as well. And still, I hear from people, like when you say, change that self-talk or give yourself a new mantra, there are definitely the people, I'm sure there's people listening right now that are like, that's just, you know, airy-fairy BS.
1: So I'm going to share something very personal. Before I began my personal development journey, I was going through a divorce. I just lost a quarter million dollar a year job. I went to bed wishing I didn't wake up. And I had two small kids in my life. I mean, that's how down I got my life. And I began a personal development journey. I watched the movie The Secret. I saw the movie What the Bleep. I started to read Tony Robbins. And the list goes on and on. In that practice, I'm loving myself. Okay, I'm nurturing my own soul. So, And here's the tragic piece here. As you know, I lost my son 10 months ago. And you're a parent, so you know the worst thing that can ever happen to you as a parent would be losing a child. I mean, I give my right arm, my left arm, I give every part of me not to have that happen. And yet, as the weeks went on after he passed away, I realized this didn't bring me down like I thought it would. It didn't take me down to, I mean, certainly I'm sad, and I mean, to this day I grieve. I chose to grieve with love. That was Mm -hmm. the first thing I said is, I'm going to choose to grieve with love. Because that word love is so powerful. During this practice, I realized that all that self-love I did before he passed away prepared me for the worst thing that I thought could ever happen in my life. Hmm. And so self-love is like an antidote to potential chaos, if you will.
0: And the chaos is going to come. It's
1: oh, And it's going to come in variety of different forms. Okay. Your own health issues, certainly friends passing away, or whatever happens in your life. Uh, maybe losing a job. Self-love is prepare, at least in my world, prepares you for that. And I literally began writing this book about two months after he passed away. I published it within six months. And that was the impetus for this is to encourage folks that don't have a daily personal development practice to begin one. And if you're a veteran at this, um, then pass this book on to friends. <laughs>
0: this, that's, thank you for sharing your story. Mm. And, um, I, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine what that the last 10 months have been like for you. And when you have those events that happen that are just, that are so large and so life changing, it's, and I'm sure there are people listening now that are like in that place and going, I don't even know what's next. It's, it's almost like, just pick one, just pick one thing to do that lifts you one step out of the darkness. And, you know, so for some people listening, maybe it's, it's not it's not the death of someone close to them. Maybe it's the death of a relationship. Maybe yeah. it's a relationship ending and they're trying to figure out how do I, how do I move past this pain? Can you give someone that is in that situation right now, like one piece of advice, I want them to get the book, What the Heck is Self Love <laughs> Anyway, which they can get mm-hmm. on Amazon, but can you give them like one tip from the book that they could do to, to help lift the veil and, and move them closer to, to being ready for the next relationship. Yeah,
1: thank you. I want to say that when I went through the experience before I began a personal development practice, my life was going downhill. Like I said, lost job, got a divorce, lost all my money in the market. I mean, it Man. was really bad. And the one thing for me was, for example, the movie The Secret. Now, I'm not suggesting that. What I talk about in the book, and I think what could be hugely beneficial, is one of the chapters is called Stop complaining. the point is, remember I said earlier about healthy venting? It's okay to reach out to your circle of friends and just express what you're feeling, to just get it out, whatever's going on in your life. And then there's another chapter in the book called Feel Your Feelings. And so feel your feelings, don't matter what anyone else says, feel your feelings. It's okay to vent. Don't, I don't recommend complaining, but it's okay to vent. And little by little, start choosing one thing every day. It might be meditation for five minutes. It might be taking a walk and listening to a personal development CD or not CD, MP3 now. (laughs) 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 I'm old school, I guess. Uh, And begin a practice a little bit every day and then amp it up. If it's five minutes every day, then go to 10 minutes every day. And if it's 10 minutes, go to half hour. My practice, and I know this is going to freak a lot of people out, is four <laughs> to five hours every day.
0: What? of actual How do you have personal have time development. for that? <laughs> well, it includes, it's woven into your... It's woven
1: into my lifestyle, but it also includes watch... So instead of, what, no offense, watching the Kardashians, I'd rather watch a documentary on health or for food or something that nurtures my soul. I shift away from the mundane and fill up my own cup with love.
0: And it's important you said find that thing that works for you. Yeah. I think a lot of times people reach for a book like this and they, and they're looking for the one answer. What is the one thing that is going to shift my right. life or make me relationship ready or help me get over this this breakup. And it takes a little bit of time to figure out the the fit for you. Like for me it's it's yoga and I've been I've had a little bit of a roller coaster yeah. year not n- not not near what yeah. you've been through this year. But there was a period where I just I I was like I just just get up and go to yoga. And when I was like sitting here going, I don't know what I'm going to do, instead of sitting in in bed and eating Bonbons. I <laughs> say bonbons. I don't even know what a bonbon is. Who actually does that? Is. What is a bonbon? <laughs> is it like ch- I think married ch- with
1: children. I think she was <laughs> the queen of bonbons. Yeah.
0: I don't want to s- sit in bed and just like binge. I mean, a lot of people turn to food yeah. and think the food is love and filling them up. Yeah. So uh, I-, I know that that's a that's a pitfall for me. I talk I- about
1: that in the book, by the way. You do?
0: Wait, tell me about it. Well,
1: that's called your body is a machine, not a temple.
0: Okay, go on. The
1: point is your body is actually a machine. So what you put in it, like your car, it's going to affect. So if you put a lot of sugar in your car engine, what's going to end up happening to your car? It's going to seize up. Self-love is taking care of your body. Taking care of that part of you that's going to hopefully last 70, 80, 90 years, maybe 100 when you take care of your body, you're actually nurturing your soul. So yoga, for example, is taking your body from the physical perspective. And I also talk about what you put in your mouth. And I, look, at, I understand when you're in an emotional state, I'm an emotional eater. Okay?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, here, okay. here, here. But I, I shifted now <laughs> to
1: when I need to eat something, I just make a bunch of hot air popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Which is That's low in calories. Food. It's a superfood. And, uh, and you could eat a, like, something like this much and it's 100 calories. That's yeah. an exaggeration, but yeah, and but yoga along it—it it could be anything. Meditation, it could be walking. Simply walking for fifteen mm-hmm. to twenty minutes can change your perspective. Absolutely, and, and really, there's a chapter about really pay attention to nature. Nature is a huge way to shift consciousness when you actually begin to pay attention to nature. Just the simplest thing is a hummingbird might be flying, and just. Having an awareness just on that happening can shift the energy inside you.
0: Even just having an awareness of the world around you Mm. makes a big difference. And so I'll walk down the street and smile at people. And like, so sometimes people look at you like crazy, like, (laughs) what are you doing? But a a lot of times, just that human connection of being like, I'm a human, I see you, you're a human, we're on the same street, hi. Uh, that can really uplift someone else's spirit and also your own, and, yeah. and remind you that like we're we're all connected here, right? Yeah. And the way that you talk to someone, like you know, you have my. I was talking to my kids about this. Um, there's this this meditation or mindset work that we do uh, called Cosmic Kids Yoga, <laughs> and I'm sounding like really really granola here, <laughs> <laughs> but they talked about the the uh, the mean bug. So okay. if you get you have a bad day and then you catch the mean bug or something bad happens to you, I, yeah. I don't even believe in a bad day because I think we 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 create that narrative, right? Yeah. Because we're like, well, then this happened and then that bad thing happened and then we start adding it up when really it was if you look at all the good things that happened, Mm -hmm. they got overshadowed by the bad
1: because you were telling the story of a bad day. And then you, yeah, exactly. And that story starts to take its life of its own. Right. And that becomes the narrative of what's going on. And so you have, we all have this one power. We can change the inner narrative if we choose to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so So, just going back to the bad bug, you don't want to pass that bad bug on to someone else just because you caught it. And I think this also shows up in dating. Like people will tell Mm -hmm. me like, oh, I... I, you know, I had, I am so stressed at work, but I'm really ready to date. I'm ready for, for the relationship. You're gearing the bad bug of work into each date. Yeah. And if you don't have some sort of a practice, like, I, I don't know. What oh, you I tell got something
1: clients. to share. Well, there's something I'd like to share on yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge proponent that before you go on a date, literally five minutes beforehand, set an intention. Okay. I mean, first off, clear any bad bug, if you will. And, <laughs> and, and I like the way I, I learned this at a Tony Robbins seminar. Uh, one thing I learned is to jump up and down 10 times and scream yes. Hopefully you're by yourself Okay, in no, moment, no. Right? Maybe go to the bathroom and maybe you do it silently. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. But that shifts your energy. He talks about changing of state, okay? Mm-hmm. And you can do this in the car and you can scream it. Um, mm-hmm. Set an intention. And it can be as simple as like, I'm going to have a good time getting to know another human being. I'm going to show up present and aware, not set on an expectation or an outcome. This is the hardest thing about a date. There's oftentimes this desire to have this outcome of success. And what if the outcome is simply, I'm gonna be present and aware and be open and receptive to love. That's That's all you have to say ahead of time to shift the energy.
0: So you also coach women on dating. Yeah, What is the first thing that you say to them if they're beginning this process and they're starting with a clean slate, how do you prepare them to be their best self on a date?
1: Oh, <laughs> that's a big question. yeah, no, that's such a big question. First off, I'm a big proponent of just be yourself. So,
0: yeah, you have that, a chapter in, in here, yeah. like be yourself. And even if it's like a little bit weird. Yeah. Weird well, OK, you, so right? I have a
1: chapter called <laughs> uh, it's it's um, wonderful, weird me. Wonderful. And me, in yes. that the idea is to. OK, let me tell you where this came about. OK, okay, okay. this is a story now. So did, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the movie When Harry Met Sally. Yes. Okay. And if you haven't, go rent it right now <laughs> or go watch it. Um, but there was something very unique about Sally, especially when she ordered food. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> She took about, you know, she would say, well, I, well if, I, if I got the salad, I want the dressing on the side. If there was croutons, I want in the corner of the plate and blah, 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 blah. And it just drove him crazy. Right. Right. And she had some weird idiosyncrasies. At the end of the movie, he says... I love it that it takes you an hour and a half to order a ham sandwich. I love it that you think 70 degrees is cold and he goes on and on. The point was he didn't fall in love with her good qualities. He actually fell in love with his, her uniqueness, her weirdness, if you will. So I encourage people to actually find out what makes them special, unique, different, strange, or weird and write it down. Because if you can own your own weirdness then maybe you can actually own someone else's weirdness. And what I mean by own it, appreciate it in someone else instead of judge it. Because oftentimes we judge within ourselves and then that reflects outward to other people.
0: Thank you so much for joining me, Jonathan Asley. You all have to read this book, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? You can also find Jonathan on YouTube at Jonathan Asley and listen to his podcast, What Would Love Do? By the way, Jonathan has a free gift for all of my listeners who want to know the five qualities that men look for in a soulmate. You can find that at JonathanAslay.com. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-O-N-A-S-L-A-Y.com slash gift. We'll put the link in the show notes. In a moment, Jonathan and I will both be back to answer listener questions, including how to be more open and vulnerable with new partners And you said not to talk about politics, religion, or money on a first date. So what else is there? And finally, how do you get motivated to get back out there and get into the dating game? I can't wait to answer these questions with Jonathan. Stick around. Jonathan, you have such great advice. People have loved your advice on past shows. So we have questions from our listeners and it's time for us to move into the next segment.
1: Dear Damona.
0: Damona, help me. All right, Jonathan, this one comes to us from a young lady. She says, I decided to really let my walls down and be open and vulnerable in my new relationship. I feel that if I keep walls up and I'm too reserved, I may miss out. There's always the possibility of being hurt. And I have been hurt in the past. How do I learn to be more open and vulnerable this time so that I don't
1: have any regrets? Mm, I love this question on so many different levels. You're all Uh, about that vulnerability. Well, there's actually a chapter in my book uh, called... um, Oh, God, I just went brain dead. Oh, uh, you want to see all the can... chapters here? <laughs> yeah. is a... No, there's... it says you can't <laughs> say the wrong thing to the right person if it's ah. sincere and from the heart. So what are we talking about? Vulnerability is being able to probably express in a fear and anxiety, something that's awkward. And, and that fear is that you might lose the other person by yes. sharing your truth. In fact, the first chapter of my book is called Speak Your Truth do it with kindness. So, speaking of your truth is sharing your feelings. And so in relationship, especially for women who oftentimes fear being vulnerable, that because it might scare the man away, I'm in the opposite camp. Okay. When you actually express your feelings in a sincere and kind way, coming from a place of empowerment, you actually invite the man to engage in the relationship at a deeper level of intimacy. If you're afraid they're going to run away, then that's not the right person for you anyway. But you'll actually find by sharing your feelings with a guy, it actually can bring you closer together. So long as you're not coming from a place of, I expect you to be this way. In other words, it's coming from an expectation of another versus just expressing what you're feeling about the relationship. It might be where the relationship is going. It might be finances in relationship. It could be a variety of different things. Speak up because that's how you go to deeper intimacy
0: i agree with you and i i'd like to to fine tune it a little bit okay because i find that in the early phase especially some people have this feeling like they need to get all their stuff out right yeah like i'm gonna show them like my ugliest the worst parts of myself and if he still sticks around then then that's then that's the relationship. But there's a difference between like dumping everything on somebody and letting them earn it in time and revealing parts of yourself as the relationship progresses, right?
1: Well, I think you might, it's dangerous to share all of what's going on in your life because the other person just might not be prepared. There hasn't been a level of trust built between the two of you, or really what we mean is familiar, or what I mean is familiarity between the two of you. I like trust, no, I like
0: trust too. (laughs) And so,
1: but here's where it gets kind of tricky. What if it's a material fact that could affect the relationship? I think it's better to talk about those things sooner rather than later. you know, uh, it could be about STDs. It could be about money. It could be a variety of different things that could affect your relationship. I don't think you wait till someone is hooked in and go, okay, now I'm just going to share everything. I But I do believe that you can do it progressively as you build trust with one another. And that's why the whole point of dating for the first three or four or five dates is about getting to know one another. And so okay, here's the thing. I don't recommend sharing a secret. If it's something confidential that you don't want, you know, some stranger to know, that could be a little bit uh, precarious. But for the most part, the whole point is to share those things that are good, but things that might not be so good and see how you blend in those cases.
0: Yeah. And we're talking about a new relationship for this listener rather than a a first date. There are things that you no. don't need to reveal on a first date that that don't really qualify as being open and vulnerable when you're in that setting. But when you're getting to know somebody, yeah, those walls have to come down.
1: Oh, I, without it, how can you build deeper connection with someone? So wh- what is a wall anyway? It's to keep something out. You know, that's not the way, at least in my world, you want to treat a relationship. You want it to be inclusive so you don't create walls. You create an opening.
0: You hit us with that golden nugget right there, <laughs> right there. As we're coming to the end of the show, here's a question from an IG viewer. Uh, we, By the way, we put all of our Dates and Mates episodes, we put clips on Instagram. So if you're not following me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, at Damona Hoffman, you are missing out on the great video clips of this podcast. So um, this person watched one of our videos and said, you said not to talk about politics, religion, or money on a first date, which I did say on Instagram. Uh, But these topics will come up eventually. So should there be a hold on certain discussions first date-wise? I got to ask Jonathan Asley because I know (laughs) you know. this is a
1: really tricky one. You know, it's funny because politics, I don't think, was ever discussed as much as it's been in the last few years. In fact, dating profiles say if you voted one way or the other, swipe the one way or the other, depending on how you voted. So um, here's the thing about politics, religion, and even money. It's actually a conversation about your values. So it, it actually, it could be a very beneficial conversation to discuss it because you get a deeper sense of someone's values. And so uh, for me as a single man who's dating, um, I actually kind of want to know where they stand on certain things because if I, and this is my world, if they're an extreme on one end of the equation on politics, religion, or money, and I'm at the other end of the spectrum, we may not be a match. So I now, just feel like we're looking for reasons to filter people out
0: too early on. I think that the yes, it. Bol- oh, I want to say early. I want to say something oh, fine, opposite. Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> okay. But well, let me just finish. Okay, so <laughs> I think we are putting some of these conversations too early on. So while they are early conversations to have, the first date I feel like is more of a can like it's and I believe it should only be an hour. Hour hour and a half tops. It's really it's just like a go see in modeling. They're just checking like, do you look like your picture or do you? I call you it the, like sniff first, test. The, the sniff <laughs> test. But it really we're putting is too it's much a pressure. Like and to have a, a heated political conversation on the first date could send things off in in the wrong direction when it otherwise might have been able to work if you could develop trust and share your opinion in a, a mindful way.
1: Here's the thing, if 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 that's going to break up a potential relationship, I'm sorry, then you know then it probably isn't meant to be anyway. Yes, I agree the first date is at least in my world, it's the sniff test to see if there's mutual chemistry. But what usually happens though, if you're aligned in your values, this is really in my perspective uh, the, the first or second date is part of the discerning process to see where you're aligned. It's not about seeing where you're opposite. It's where we actually meet together. So it's like, hey, you like this, me too. You know, you like sushi, me too. You like snowboarding, me too. You like the Rolling Stones, me too. It's finding those places of commonality. And so a grown-up can have a conversation about politics, religion, and money. And it's not going to turn into a blowout. You if are you're making a, a
0: huge, huge assumption. But let's end this episode <laughs> today on a high note. Okay. We got a question from Instagram. And actually, this question came in last week as well from Facebook. So a lot of people are asking how to get over this. He says, I've completely given up on dating.
1: Hmm.
0: How do I get motivated to get back out there?
1: You know, I'll never forget when I had a relationship that ended and I was really depressed over the experience and just going back out online dating, just, or at least connecting online just seems to, it happens to be the most popular place to meet people. I was discouraged and a friend of mine said to me, he goes, look, love might be the greatest risk. But it's the best game in town. (laughs) And that stuck with me. You know, like, yes, there's an element of risk. You could get hurt. It's frustrating. It requires effort and all this. But the reward is so worth it. And so rather than focusing on what's wrong, how about focusing on what's right? And so set that intention. That you know what, I'm gonna have a great experience. We're gonna get along on politics and money and religion and everything, and just set that intention rather than coming from a defeatist point of view. So that's my recommendation to that writer.
0: I hope you enjoyed this special Encore episode of Dates and Mates. If you love this show, we want to know about it. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Good Pods, wherever you are listening to the show right now. We deeply appreciate you taking the time to give us feedback and letting other people know about Dates and Mates. I want to hear from you too. I want to know what's on your mind. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Damona Hoffman. The DMs are open. We are preparing for season 10 coming up in a few weeks. And I want to know what's on your mind so I can answer your questions in a future episode. You can also call me or text me anytime, day or night at 424-246-6255. We'll be back again next Tuesday with the final episode of our Summer Encore series featuring the amazing Charles J. Orlando, who you've probably seen on Seven Year Switch. Can't wait for that Encore episode. Until then, I wish you happy dating.